sometimes you just need to touch grass, literally and figuratively. And we recommend you bring books. Tell the bibliologist set tailored book recommendations about what you love and what you don't and what you want to read this summer on your outdoor adventures. You can get your recommendations via email or receive hardcovers in the mail. And TBR has plans for every budget. This summer, touch grass and bring books. You pack the bags, we pick the books. Visit mytbr.co to sign up today. It only takes a few minutes. That's mytbr.co. You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 354, and today we are talking about books being released on March 22, 2022, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with Patricia L.Z. Tuttle, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Patricia, hello! Hey, Liberty. How's it going? Oh, you know, life. <laughs> yeah, no, I I hear you. I yeah, hear you. That's a lot. It's been a, a wild week here in Maine. It's been like hot, cold, hot, cold, hot, cold, wild. Yesterday was kind of exciting because I've been cat-sitting for a friend uh, who was gone until yesterday, and yesterday morning I had to drive over the Piscataqua River into New Hampshire, which if you've never seen the Piscataqua River or heard of it, it's one of the, has one of the fastest currents in the world, and it's this huge river that separates Maine from New Hampshire, and you drive over the bridge all the time, no big, but it was completely fogged in. Like, you could not see. I'm, like, crawling across Ooh. the bridge, and I was like, this is exciting, but, like, <laughs> and then I was, like, psyching myself out, thinking, like, what if there are things in the fog? Like, if I keep creeping, like, something's just gonna go, blah, <laughs> under my hood, and it was so much fun, but I haven't seen it like that in a long time, and luckily, it was 5.30 in the morning, so, you know, there was not really anyone else on the road. Oh, my gosh, that sounds lovely and creepy yeah and i'm kind of into it yeah it was it was pretty fun but i wouldn't want to drive in that all the time well yeah that's true we um where i grew up not far from where i live now it would it would definitely get like really foggy and oh right you're in that area <laughs> yeah and it would get really foggy on um the playground in my like elementary junior high school and so it was always great to play like tag or freeze tag because it's like as soon as people like would run away more than 10 feet you couldn't see people <laughs> that's cheating <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but then, like, freeze tag, you wouldn't be able to see who was frozen, so people would just be, <laughs> be like, kids would just be, like, out there for recess, just frozen in a weird position <laughs> in the fog, because no one knows they're there to unfreeze them, but it's one of my favorite memories. That's wild. Yeah, because you're, you're in the area where Eddie is her dead dressed to kill, where she talks about the fog in that yes. area, and how it just kind of moves in. It's like, it's not there, it's not there, and then, woof, it's fog. <laughs> exactly, exactly. No, I love it. And, you know, it, it's been, um, the weather has been, like, gorgeous lately, and except today, it is now cold and rainy. Like, yesterday it was gorgeous. Like, I was out, I was walking with, like, a tank top on. Um, we were walking through the neighborhood, and, like, flowers are bloomed and everything. And then today it's just, like, cloudy and gray. Which I also, I 
I specifically love cloudy and gray, so it's actually not terrible, but I think it's also supposed to rain, which we desperately need here, like, all the time. Yeah. So I hope it does. I'm hoping for a rainy day. Well, that's, like, the first time I've heard the weather be similar on the East Coast and the West Coast at the same time, because yesterday (laughs) it was 70 and sunny here in Maine, and today it is 42, and it's raining and very dark outside. So... Mm. So let's see. So we covered the weather. That's something that we always do. <laughs> we, yeah, I know. And you covered cat sitting, which I, I'm going to get to cat sit in like May for a friend. I'm very excited. Yeah. It's fun. Um, <laughs> one of them is my buddy. His name is Kanye Lasagna, but I call him Lasagne, which is the name you get for your cat when you let your middle school child name it. And the other cat is named Peanut, and he is a pandemic kitten. So he had never seen any other people until I started cat sitting. So he does not know what to do. Like, he's very skittish. And who can blame him? He's like, I've only ever known this one person, and who are you? (laughs) So, (laughs) but they're lots of fun. I like doing it. Breaks up the day. And they're much nicer to me than my cats are, so... (laughs) (laughs) Your cats take you for granted. Oh, one of them has decided all of a sudden again, after like a year of giving me a break, that he really needs to chew the hair off the back of my neck. Like, he needs to remove (laughs) the hair, like at the base of my neck, like my long hair. He's just gonna, he's gonna give me like an undercut. He's decided. So like, I'll be sleeping and all of a sudden he's like tugging at the back of my neck. He's like, why? Why are you doing this? Oh, my goodness. He's like, yeah, this is where the good stuff is. I have no idea why cats would think that. Um, so, all right. So, here's some that's some wacky stuff that we discussed. And so, I think now it's time to hear from a sponsor. Sometimes you just need to touch grass, literally and figuratively. And we recommend you bring books. Tell the bibliologists that tailored book recommendations about what you love and what you don't and what you want to read this summer on your outdoor adventures. You can get your recommendations via email or receive hardcovers in the mail. And TBR has plans for every budget. This summer, touch grass and bring books. You pack the bags, we pick the books. Visit mytbr.co to sign up today. It only takes a few minutes. That's mytbr.co. Okay, so a little bit about today. I am going to talk about two books that I've read and two books that I have not read, and none of which are coming out today. Uh, I did read several books for today, but I either did not enjoy them or, for various reasons, would not recommend them. And I am here because I love talking about books and creating book enthusiasm and interest in books, so this is what I'm going with today. So for starters, I am going to talk about a book I read that was supposed to come out today, but as we all know, the dates don't mean anything anymore. (laughs) Like, they're just all (laughs) different all the time. Um, They're getting moved, you know, like, the day before they're supposed to come out. So um, this is a really cute middle-grade graphic novel called Swan Lake Quest for the Kingdoms by Ray Tessiro and Megan Kearney. And Ray Tessiro is actually... Rex Ogle, or Rex Ogle is actually Ray Tercero. I can't tell which is the pseudonym, but you probably know Rex Ogle has written hundreds of books or edited hundreds of, I can't remember the bio now, edited hundreds of books. I know he's written a lot of books. And they did the Little Women graphic novel 
a while back, this team, and this is a sort of retelling of Swan Lake. And Odette is a princess who, when she is a baby, has a curse placed on her, uh, sort of Ladyhawk style, in which she is a swan by day and a human by night. So she doesn't really have any friends because she doesn't see any people because when she's a human, everyone is asleep. Plus, her parents don't let her leave the kingdom because they're worried that the neighboring kingdom who put the curse on her will, you know, kidnap her or something bad will happen and they're trying to protect her. Now, Dilly is the princess in this other kingdom, the supposed enemy kingdom, and she gives off some Arya vibes, uh, super into sword fighting and just regular fighting and, you know, wants to be a soldier, wants to be a knight, but her mother insists that she's going to be a queen, and she's very unhappy about that, and also leads a sheltered life, not allowed to do anything, go anywhere, because, you know, she's going to be a queen and queens don't don't get in sword fights. Uh, so one day, uh, Odette has had a bad day and she flies away and lands in the forest and comes across Dilly uh, at night because Dilly has also run away and they meet, they become friends. But shortly after they become friends, Odette's mother explains to her that it was Dilly's father who put the curse on her. So now they can't be friends because this is what happened. At least that's what they think. But then they realize, like, Dilly doesn't believe that her father put a curse on Odette and is determined to prove that he is innocent. So she finds that there is a cure for Odette's curse, but they have to go on a quest, of course, to find the cure. And so they set out. They, you know, they both run away and they set out on this trail to find the, the cure and they meet a prince on the way who is hunting with his really mean stepfather, and he joins them, and they meet a bear who is super friendly for, you know, whatever reason. He's awesome. And they encounter, a lot, encounter lots more magical creatures and monsters. Uh, it's a really cute book about friendship and also, like, sins of the fathers and, you know, like, these things that they're told, you know, passed down and these children are, are learning it for themselves, you know? They're like, we're not going to believe that these people are bad, and we're not going like, to listen to you, you know, tell us these are the things that happen without, you know, learning them for ourselves. And the illustrations are absolutely adorable. I loved all the characters, especially Dilly, mostly because she is afraid of nothing except cute furry animals like kittens and squirrels, which is hilarious. Uh, so this is Swan Lake, Quest for the Kingdoms by Ray Tercero and Megan Kearney. So I do, you will get, you will definitely get new books that come out today because I shockingly do have four books that I think all are out today, unless the date changed like two days beforehand. Yeah, there's no telling. <laughs> there's no telling. There's no telling, especially because, you know, we get a hold of these advanced copies so far in advance sometimes. And then, like, I fill out my spreadsheet and then who knows? Who knows? So for my first book, I have Come Up and Served Cold by Marion Deeds. I loved this book so much. I love a con. I love a heist. I love a jazz age historical fiction with speakeasies. I love fantasy. And this book has every single one of those things. As per the author note, this book has warnings for instances of patriarchal, racist, and ableist violence, both physical and verbal. The first chapter starts with the time of day and a date, November 17th, 1929, Seattle, Washington. 
Each subsequent chapter of the book starts with a date in relation to that first date of November 17th. For example, one starts October 6th, 1929, six weeks before, or November 4th, 1929, three days before. These chapters are not in chronological order, which makes this puzzle a very exciting one to piece together. As I mentioned, this takes place primarily in Seattle, Washington during Prohibition. I also mentioned that this is a fantasy. Magic is real here, and there are different types of magic. Plant magics and elemental magics and so forth. There are also shapeshifters like werewolves, but some people shift into animals other than wolves, like stags, mountain lions, etc. Ambrose Earnshaw is Seattle's Commissioner of Magi. They are not the Seattle Police Department, though unsurprisingly they work closely together. The Magi Commission purportedly keeps magic users in line. Ambrose is a very wealthy man, and when we meet him, he is interviewing a handler for his adult daughter, Fiona. The woman he is interviewing is Dolly White, who doesn't have any magical abilities, but she knows her way around potions, and she went to a nice finishing school. Mr. Earnshaw's daughter, Fiona, frequents a speakeasy owned by a black woman. Fiona drinks way more than her father would like. And also, as a wealthy white man, he doesn't want her going to that speakeasy. Fiona is also addicted to a drug she adds to her alcohol they call Shimmer Shim. Shim for short. The thing is, Fiona is supposed to be married to a fine, upstanding young man, and she is off gallivanting, jazz and gin, etc., etc., so Mr. Earnshaw hires Dolly to keep Fiona in line, off drugs and booze, and definitely away from that speakeasy. Ambrose Earnshaw has a son as well, Francis. Just reading about Francis makes me want to take a shower and just like scrub my whole body clean. He is so creepy and he's known for assaulting women. Well, the family knows it and pays to keep the victims and the victims' families quiet. Meanwhile, we have Violet Solomon, who owns Violet's Hat Shop, the speakeasy that Fiona frequents. Violet's brother is a shapeshifter, and shapeshifters are looked down upon usually, but now it also seems that shapeshifters in the area are in a lot of danger. This isn't a super long book, and I don't want to give you more than I have because it's just so delicious in the ways it unfolds. As I mentioned, it's centered around a con and a heist, and it was the most fun book I have read in a while. I legitimately had a wonderful time reading this book. It's Come Up and Served Cold by Marion Deeds. Okay, I'm excited about that one. I have it around here somewhere, but... It was so much fun! Yeah. It's going to be the name of my memoir. I have that around here somewhere. <laughs> uh, before I talk about my next book, I just want to say very quickly, I want to give a shout out to Kara, who sent us an email with a picture of her cat, uh, Mocha, who is the most beautiful cat I have ever seen. And I can say that because my cats don't listen to this podcast. Just the most beautiful cat I've ever seen. And I just want to say, we love getting mail. So if you want to send us pictures of your pets, your cats, your rats, your dogs, your ferrets, your Komodo dragons, we will squeal all about them. Or at least I will, anyway. And you can do that by emailing all the books at bookriot.com. Like, seriously, I love pet photos. So thank you again to Kara and Mocha. 
And now for something completely different. My next book is one that I have not read, but it comes out today. And I just wanted to mention it because I am excited to read it. I think that the genre that I have really latched onto the last couple of years, uh, more than usual, is fantasy. I've been reading a lot more fantasy books than, than I used to. And this one is The City of Dusk by Tara Sim. And it is an adult fantasy novel. It's about the four realms, the life, death, light, and darkness. And it's about the four houses within these kingdoms. And they are about to have what the description calls a realm-shattering war. Uh, And for each realm, there is a god. And for each god, there is an heir. And they are uh, going to have to have a war. But now the gods have turned uh, their favor away from the realms. And the magic is dying. The realms are dying. So they are going to have to figure out what they're going to do, these four heirs to these realms. I love a fantasy novel, and I think I've mentioned this before lately, I especially love one with kingdoms and royalty. I I don't know why suddenly that appeals to me uh, more than usual, but I am here for it. So I'm hoping to pick this up and read it really soon. It is The City of Dusk by Tara Sim. Oh, I have a fantasy um, for my next pick. Yay! So this is The Bone Orchard by Sarah A. Mueller. Full disclosure, I haven't yet finished reading this book. I'm over halfway through it, and I think that it's something that a lot of readers may be into, so I definitely wanted to share it today. If you like the combination of necromancy plus the feeling of what is even happening, a la Gideon the Ninth, then The Bone Orchard may be for you. There is a lot of intricate world building and relationship managing in this book. In this world, there are folks who are born with a psychic power and they're referred to generically as psychics. Each individual has a power, but what it is can vary widely. Eventually, it drives them insane and they die fairly young. However, in the kingdom of Borengard, there are devices known as mind locks that can be implanted to temper that. Of course, this device also allows the emperor to have total mind control, and so those who get these devices are basically conscripted into the city watch. There is one psychic that has a mind lock who is not in the city watch. Her name is Mistress Charm, and she is the emperor's mistress. It's no secret. In fact, she runs a brothel called Orchard House. It is employed by her as head of house and also other versions of her that she has Dr. Frankenstein out of bones grown on the very macabre trees that make up the orchard of Orchard House. These other versions of her, maybe parts of her, are named things like shame and pride and justice, and they are all unique in their own way. They do not have mind locks, as Mistress Charm has the mind lock that keeps them all in line. Another important thing to know about the world in which this story takes place is that there is a substance called Rejuve, which has basically kept the royal family and Mistress Charm alive and well for way longer than any person should be. It's practically chemical-dependent immortality. This makes it extra shocking when very early in the book, the Emperor dies. He calls for Mistress Charm when he is on his deathbed and gives her one final order, to find who has assassinated him. He was poisoned and is aware enough to offer Mistress Charm her freedom as she completes that final task. The thing is, the Emperor has a few sons, all of whom are pretty awful, could be any of them, or anyone else. 
And that's where the story really begins. This isn't the only secret that Mistress Charm is keeping. In order to find the killer or killers, she needs to find allies, but it's hard to trust anyone in Borngard, especially a woman of her status. It gets really complicated really fast, but it's a good book to get lost in. So many content warnings. Lots of violence, body horror, ableism, violence against women, lots of murder. It's The Bone Orchard by Sarah A. Mueller. Okay, a couple of things. One, you can't just drop a Gideon in the ninth, you know, wreck and like, <laughs> I'm going to have to read this as soon as we get done here. Yeah, I know. You know. Why do you, why you do this to me? Because I love you and I want you to be happy. <laughs> that was my very my very pathetic imitation of the old lady from The Exorcist. Why you do this to me? <laughs> also, the other thing is like when you were talking about it, I was listening, but I was also in my head like the Gideon the Ninth recommendation wheels were turning, and I was thinking about it. And so you said something like, you know, if very wide is very widely or varies widely and i was like very widely what very widely what <laughs> i like waiting for you to finish the sentence because my brain was just not it's not capable of doing two things at once so i was like i don't know what the rest of that sentence is so before i talk about my next book i wanted to ask you a little bit about something that we don't really ever talk about uh and that is formats because i was thinking a little bit about this today Mm. Like what? Like what your preferred preferred reading format is? Um, for instance, I don't have one. Honestly, uh, I have a, like a preferred format for different things. I love to read big books in mass market, if at all possible. Uh, I think it comes from when I was very young and I used to read books, and I thought for some reason that the longer the book was, the better it would be. Like that, that was a sign that if like a book is huge. Uh, that it must be an amazing book. And also, when I was, like, in seventh grade, I read A Mass Market of Gone with the Wind, and it was, you know, 800 pages or something. I stayed home, called, pretended I was sick so I could stay home from school to read it, and, you know, I was just thrilled. I was like, this huge book, and, and I just felt like I looked so much smarter reading books that were this big, you know. So I still, like, like if I can, I love to read a big, fat mass market book, but that is not a format that a lot of books come in anymore. Um, so I do prefer the trade paperbacks. Like, I like to read on my side a lot. Mm-hmm, and trade mm-hmm. paperbacks, they stay open better than a mass market does. You, like, you don't have to like force the spine all the time. But I also think I read fastest when I read PDFs on my laptop, which is what mm. a lot of my reading for the show is. Mm-hmm. Um, I know a lot of people don't like reading on their computer, but I am not one of them. I feel like if I make the font really big on my laptop, I can just keep scrolling and barely have to move my eyes. And, you know, I like that. <laughs> and as far as, like, hardcovers, I have no feeling one way or the other. They're beautiful, but they're also the most expensive format. And I don't know. I don't know that we, like, need them. That's my probably unpopular opinion. Um, but they do stay open better than any of the other formats if you're, like, reading. So I mean, that's true. That's true. I think for me, it depends on what the book is. So um, a lot of my nonfiction, I prefer on audiobook. Mm-hmm. Although I definitely do read uh, fiction and fantasy on audiobook. Um, the The City We Became by N.K. Jemisin on audiobook has such a high production value. It has, like, sound effects and, like, all kinds of phenomenal things. Like, it was an incredible experience. And so I definitely 
like I definitely read fantasy on audiobook, but I like nonfiction on audiobook. It's like it, it's like it gets into my brain better. If I am reading a comic or graphic novel, I actually like a physical copy as opposed to reading um, on my computer or tablet. You know, I use an e-reader sometimes. Mostly, you know, mostly I think the e-reader helps me because I'm able to tell, like, gauge how much time I have left in the book. And time is of the essence for me and reading, especially for this show. But, you know, I'll like a, I mean, I'll read a hardcover. I think hardcovers can be very beautiful, but I'm definitely not like hardcover supremacy. Um <laughs> And for some things, you know, there's some, like, I I have Pet by Ekweke Mezi in hardcover, so I'm like, oh, Bitter came out in February by the same author, so I also want that in hardcover. So it's more just, like, a matching thing, but not really a, a reading thing, because honestly, I'm probably going to also listen to that on audiobook. One of the things I love is that everyone is so different. Yeah. <laughs> you know, everyone has, like... You know, I only do nonfiction on audio, but I only read these, and it's just so much fun. You know, I love how different it is for everybody. The thing about reading PDFs on my computer is that it tells me how many pages it is, but it doesn't tell me how long I have left in the book. Mm -hmm. You know, so if I get, like, halfway through and they've solved the mystery, but it still tells me I have this many pages left, you know, <laughs> even with, like, a physical book, I'm like, well, then something's going on here. But if I'm reading, for instance, like, a nonfiction book, I read one a few weeks ago where... The book ended, and it still had, like, a third of the book left, and it was all notes and footnotes. And I was oh, like, yeah. I was not prepared for that to end. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that was weird, you know? So, it does, it, like, it doesn't tell you, like, oh, yeah, you're coming to the end of the book part of the book, but there's lots of notes for you to read. <laughs> yes. uh, but I just always think it's interesting, you know, everyone is, is so different, and I and I love that. You know, and maybe, maybe I'm a little biased against hardcovers since... They did give me a concussion once that might have something to do with it. But I, I buy them all the time. So like, you know, I just feel like you can get two paperbacks for the price of one hardcover, you know? So I mean, yeah, that's true. I too. want the most for my money. But anyway, <laughs> so uh, my next pick for today is another book that I have not read yet, but it is by one of my favorite authors. It is French Braid by Ann Tyler. Ann Tyler is like my comfort read. Uh, she has so many books now. And I've talked about her on the show a couple of times. Several years ago, I read an article where her 20th book had just come out, and she said that she was done at 20, like she was done writing books. And, and I swear to this, I know I read this somewhere, but either, you know, she has changed her mind because she has had several novels since then, or I was abducted by aliens who fed me false information because I swear I read this, and her books just keep coming out, so I don't know, but... I, I love Ann Tyler. Uh, my favorites of hers are The Accidental Tourist, which I read when I was far too young, I realize now. And also Saint Maybe is probably my favorite of hers. Uh, there is a, I think it was a Hallmark Channel movie of that book, but I have not watched it yet. Maybe someday. But this is her newest one. You know, she's a Pulitzer Prize winning author. I just find her to be so comforting. And this one is about... A Baltimore family, all of her books take place in Baltimore, basically, and they almost always have several decades of a family. This one is about a family who start, it starts off in the 1950s, and a boyfriend with a, a red Chevy, and now it's the present day, and they're trying to have a reunion, but they can't because of the pandemic. And I just, you know, 
that's all I can say about it really without having read it, but I will just say, I just love her so much. She's so comforting. And this has to be like 24 or 25, and I do believe she's in her mid-80s now, so just, she's a treasure. This is French Braid by Anne Tyler. And now we are going to hear from another sponsor. Okay, Patricia, what do you have for us? For my next book, I have All the White Friends I Couldn't Keep. Hope and Hard Pills to Swallow About Fighting for Black Lives by Andre Henry. This nonfiction book was a rough read for me, mostly because it hit so close to home. I am intimately familiar with so much of what Andre Henry writes about in this book. I am still flabbergasted at the amount of non-Black people who dusted off their high school debate skills in the past two years as a response to my declaration that my life matters. This book captures how incredibly lonely it has become for Black people who have or had a racially diverse group of friends, or honestly, in my case of being mixed, a whole side of the family that's not Black. As the author learned, as many of us have learned, I can love people and also no longer have them in my life. Supporting white supremacy is a deal breaker for me, and that is at the heart of the book because it is also a deal breaker for Andre Henry. Over and over, the author comes to the realization that systemic racial injustice isn't going to be solved by individual conversations with racists. This all-we-need-to-do-is-love mentality isn't actually effective at bringing about change. The author covers a lot of ground through his own journey of awakening. His activism is woven through his performance art and music. His writing incorporates history about the civil rights movement, both historically and present day, and both violent and nonviolent means as well. He also incorporates his knowledge of the Bible, having graduated from Fuller Theological Seminary in Pasadena. Uh, that was actually walking distance from where I used to live down there. It was downright painful to read about his repeated attempts to have heartfelt, honest conversations with white and other non-black friends and loved ones, and every time it was just another punch in the face. No one was interested in having a conversation. They were only interested in being right and also interested in being able to uphold white supremacy. Over and over with the, I don't want to talk politics, when really they mean, I don't want to acknowledge my role in your oppression, so be quiet about it. The author posits that we don't actually have to convince everyone that racism is wrong to achieve justice. That maybe winning over white people should not be the main goal. He offers some concrete advice for folks in the struggle, like not debating (laughs) Not engaging with trolls, whether they are anonymous trolls or people we know. Among other things, he writes about the importance of hope in this fight. It is so easy to lose hope. Lots of content warnings for anti-Black racism and graphic descriptions of police brutality. This is All the White Friends I Couldn't Keep, Hope and Hard Pills to Swallow about Fighting for Black Lives by Andre Henry. So... My next book is in a very different direction. I'm very sorry to follow it up with with, uh, some sexy times and frilly dresses. Hey. It is Nine Rules to Break When Romancing a Rake by Sarah McLean. This book came out in 2010, and it is getting a trade paperback edition now. Uh, This is, I do believe, her first book. 
Um, this was only the second romance novel that I ever read after this other one that I am forgetting that tells you how good it was. And I'm very excited because I'm going to be a guest host on our One in Romance podcast in a few weeks. So I am reading some romance novels uh, to get ready for that. Most of them involving monsters, which is so exciting. Uh, but this one is a lot of fun. It's the first in Sarah McLean's uh, Love by Numbers series. And it is about a young woman named Lady Calpurnia Hartwell, who has always followed the rules. But she decides that it's getting her nowhere and she's not enjoying anything that she has. So she decides she's going to break the rules, including thing- doing things that ladies are not supposed to do, like gambling... Riding astride, smoking, fencing, or attending duels, shooting a gun. And she decides that there are a couple of things that she needs to do, like dancing and stealing a kiss uh, that require a partner. So she meets this handsome rake, Gabrielle St. John, and he has a terrible reputation. And she's certain that he's going to help her break these rules. But she has to be careful because one of these you know, rules is don't fall in love. And she certainly feels like she might be able to do that. It's lots of fun. This is definitely one of the best romance novels that I've read. There's a lot in this series. Uh, Now she has the new Hell's Bell series in which women wear frilly dresses and beat the hell out of people, which is even better, I think. But this is so much fun. If you've never read Sarah McLean before, definitely check it out. It is Nine Rules to Break When Romancing a Rake by Sarah McLean. Um, I hadn't heard of Hell's Bells, and now, like... Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh, that sounds amazing. There's a second one coming in August, I think, but who knows when we get there. But who knows? (laughs) For my last pick, I have Disorientation by Elaine Shea Chu. I don't even know where to begin with this book. It's another book about a racial awakening, but it's satire. It's hilarious, and also I pretty much cringed the entire time I read it. This is one of those books where it's like your perspective has a turning point. There's like Patricia before reading Disorientation, and Patricia after reading Disorientation, and I can never go back to the Patricia I was before. I cannot unread this book, nor would I want to. Our main character is Ingrid Yang. She is a Taiwanese-American woman in her eighth year of her PhD. She is 29. She has no idea what her thesis even is, even though she's in her eighth year. She has been researching the renowned Chinese-American poet Zhao Chao, but it's hard to write anything about him that hasn't been utterly researched into the ground. He was faculty at Barnes University in Whittlebury, Massachusetts, where Ingrid is, and is a big deal, and a large part of the reason she's doing this PhD is because there is a professorial chair that is about to open up so she can get a cozy faculty position as the next expert on Zhao Chao. But like I said, she has no idea what the heck she is going to do her dissertation on. She is full of anxiety and stomach problems. The East Asian Studies Department that Ingrid is in has very few Asian people and many, many white people. Her advisor, Michael, is a white man who has gone all in on Chinese culture and doubled down in his Orientalism time and time again. 
Ingrid's fiance, Stephen Green, is a white man who has taught himself Japanese, doesn't actually speak it, but has made himself into a literature translator. I know both these men. I have dated both of these men. These are the kind of white men who would explain my own Filipino culture to me with massive amounts of paternalism. They do this to Ingrid repeatedly, but really terribly because she is Taiwanese and they just lump her in with Chinese culture like it's all the same. If you haven't caught on, there are massive amounts of anti-Asian racism in this book and lots of the particularly insidious type where it's people pretending to have a respect for a culture when they're actually fetishizing it. Ingrid has very firm ideas of the right way a woman should be, especially an Asian American woman, and the wrong way. This book is full of amazing characters. Through it, Ingrid awakens to her complicity in her own subjugation and the white supremacist trash fire that is academia. I can say that because I work at a university. <laughs> The story starts with Ingrid in the Chow archives and a curious note which leads her into the following thread and upending her department and her life as she knows it. And that's just the beginning. This book was amazing. It had similar vibes to Such a Fun Age by Kylie Reed. It was just, this was just such a good book. It's Disorientation by Elaine Shea Chu. I'm very excited about this one. I just got it yesterday, so I cannot wait. Yeah, it's a good one. So those are our new books. And what else was there? There was some talk about the weather, uh, cats, of course, um, concussion. I have to mention that at least you know once every six months. You know that I got a concussion from a book. It's like a badge <laughs> of honor now. It's like the Sally Mann memoir hit me on the head and gave me a concussion. It's like if I was a Girl Scout, I would get like a patch. It said, like, book concussion, I think. <laughs> it's pretty exciting for me. Um, so those are new books and assorted topics. What are you going to read next? So I'm actually reading two books, of course. Um, one is another that actually comes out today on the 22nd. It's You Grow Girl, Plant Queen's Lush Guide to Growing Your Garden by Christopher Griffin. And I follow them. It's it's Plant Queen, K-W-E-E-N. And I follow them on Instagram and they are amazing. And then the other book actually comes out next week. It's 10 Steps to Nanette, A Memoir Situation by Hannah Gadsby, which is just as amazing as one would hope. I'm listening to it on audio and it's just, it's phenomenal. It's absolutely phenomenal. What about you? I just got that one, but I oh. really feel like I kind of want to listen to it on audio. I always say that. Yes. I still have yet to listen to an audio book, but... <laughs> You know, listening to Hannah Gadsby, I'm yeah. assuming Hannah Gadsby reads it, would be amazing. Yeah. I think you, like, hearing it in Hannah Gadsby's voice just amplifies the amazingness of the memoir. Yeah. I am a little nervous, though, because I am deaf in one ear, so sometimes I have a hard time with accents. Mm, and so mm -hmm. I worry that I won't know what the words are. But I'm sure it's probably, it'll probably be fine. 
I am reading On the Rooftop by Margaret Wilkerson Sexton, who has written a couple of novels that I absolutely loved, including The Revisioners and A Kind of Freedom, both of which were nominated for like a gazillion awards. I'm very excited about that. And of course, now I have to read Bone Orchard because you compared it to Gideon the Knife. Yep. Challenge accepted. Yep. And yeah, I got something else. Oh, I can't remember the author's name. I got something else called 100 Animals That Can Effing End You. Which looks like a lot of fun based on some TikTok account, but I can't remember who it is. I'm very sorry. When I figure out what it is, I will drop it in the show notes. And I think that's a good spot to stop. That's it for today. Thank you to our sponsors. Thank you to our awesome audio editor, Jen Zink. You can drop us a line and send us pictures of your pets or anything else that you want to tell us at allthebooks at bookriot.com. You can find us online. Patricia hangs out on Twitter and Instagram as the info file. I mostly hang out on Instagram at Franz and Comes Alive. And you can also go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts or get your podcasts and leave us a rating or review. We would greatly appreciate it. It helps other book lovers to find us. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books today, we just don't have the time, but you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. And for more recs or general bookishness, check out bookriot.com. And don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen, or just search Book Riot on your podcast player of choice. And in the meantime, happy, happy reading. reading. <laughs>